Welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast with Alex Mead. I've invited sales, marketing, and business leaders to discuss their successes, failures, and everything else in between. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Today's guest is the marketing manager at Cadena's Part Solutions, Joseph Lewin. Joseph, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Alex. Yeah, so I came across uh, I came across your profile. I mean, I noticed a lot of, to be honest, you posted something on LinkedIn about uh, Industry 4.0, and then I ended up going back to your pillar page and was pretty impressed with your ability to kind of create this like comprehensive understanding of like, what is this like industrial, you know, manufacturing 4.0 and how did we get there? And I thought, you know, creating that type of content isn't easy. And so you seem to have, you have some skills there. You have some stories to tell and I wanted to have you on. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. So maybe let's just start there. What's your approach when you create content? What's your philosophy and how do you go about creating content? Yeah, I think the number one thing to me is just what is it that your prospect is thinking? What's important to them? What are their goals? And how do you speak into that? And so as a marketing person, it's easy to focus on our own products, our own features and benefits and the things that are important to us. But those are rarely the same things that are important to the customer. And so if we can figure out things that are going on in the industry that are important to the people we're, we're speaking to, and we can even help them to learn about something that's going on in their industry that will help them in their career to understand it, um, the topic. So, for instance, Industry 4.0, we kind of have two audiences. One is going to be engineers who are downloading different components from manufacturers and we kind of help to manage parts for them. And then the other one is going to be marketers at industrial manufacturing companies. So this is a topic that actually speaks to both of those audiences, which is a little hard for us to do because typically they're very different um, messages. But engineers can really benefit from understanding where the industry is going in Industry 4.0 and so can industrial marketers. So just trying to find areas where we can speak to and help educate them um, and help them to understand something better. And then by doing that, we're have a way to be getting in front of them, be seen as industry leaders, industry experts, and help them in their career, um, which just builds some of that authority for us and the things that are closer to what our product actually does. There's a few things in there that I think are pretty important to point out. So you mentioned you have two different buyers, two different buyer personas, the engineer and purchasing procurement. How do you go about knowing which content to produce for which persona? Or if you're producing content, how do you distinguish like, is this is this for the engineer or is this for the other persona? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the main thing is you actually have to get in front of the customer and talk to them. And I know that that's starting to become really popular and prominent for people to be talking about that now. Uh, but a couple of years ago, when I started learning about interviewing customers and prospects, people weren't really talking about that as much. So the good news is, I think the marketing world is really moving towards customer-centric language versus focusing on features and benefits, which is really, really important. But for you to be able to write good content or create good marketing campaigns, you have to understand the customer. So uh, something that's been really helpful for me is going to industry events. So I've only been in the industrial marketing space for a little over two years. I'm looking at the calendar. It's July, so two, <laughs> not even two and a half years yet. 
So for me, it was jumping in and just learning absolutely as much as I could about the industry and what's going on. And I kind of had a benefit in the fact that we we have one audience that's marketers and one that's engineers. And so I was focusing first on the product that's geared towards engineers. And that helped me because I really got a deep dive into understanding much more technical engineering things and having to explain things to engineers in a simple and easy to understand way, but that's technical enough to where hopefully they don't get too offended at me getting something wrong or whatever, you know, sounding competent, but also making something simple. And then by understanding some of the things that were going on from the engineering perspective, that gives me a huge advantage when I'm talking to marketers in the space, because then I'm able to speak to engineering topics that they might not really understand and hopefully help them understand how to communicate to their audience better. And so to me, the only way to really do that is to just get in front of people as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, music to my ears. I love hearing that because I I think it is getting more popular and that uh, and there's a lot of people on you know LinkedIn and other thought leaders beating that drum, but I still don't think it's as popular as we see online. And I think that is the you know, talking to your customer, building out buyer personas based on that to understand challenges and needs is really the only way to know what content to create. And and it's it's to be honest, it was obvious that you had done that work based on the content you guys are producing, because you can't really produce that content well without talking to your customer. And since you have so such different customer sets, you know, targets that, you know, it's pretty obvious that you have done at least at least some of that work, uh, if not you know, all of it. So bravo on that. So let me ask you on the customer's side. So talking to customers, how often do you talk to customers? Was this a, I just got here, I need to talk to customers, let's get that out of the way? Or do you have like a a scheduled cadence where you try to talk to customers every couple months, every, you know, quarter? Do you have any anything like that? Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of things to that. I mean, you should always keep your finger on the pulse. And if you're in a B2B company, which you know, this podcast is focusing on, then <laughs> you should be getting on calls with your salespeople on a regular basis. I mean, I, I won't necessarily say jumping on calls every week. It depends on what's going on. But if you're not getting on calls or at least communicating with people on your sales team to learn what they're hearing, then I don't see how you can really write good content in the end of the day, um, both from a uh, you know top of the funnel content trying to get people to your page and then also content for product pages or you know emails that are going to convert or anything like that if you don't really hear the pain points and problems that customers are expressing on a regular basis um, i just don't think that you can create really good converting copy that way Um, so one is just to get on calls with salespeople. the other way is to be paying attention to what's going on in the industry and so like i was kind of alluding to before being on the engineering side helps me understand my customers' customers on the marketing side. So their customers are the engineer. And so it was a huge advantage for, to me, for me that I had time spent learning about the engineers and what, and what they're doing. And one of the biggest ways for me to learn that was going to industry events. And some of them were even pretty niche industry events. And when you're talking about engineering topics, it got over my head really, really, really fast. So... <laughs> You know, we'd be at this event and the first couple I went to, it feels kind of awkward. I wasn't really good at starting conversations with people. But eventually I just started to go up to engineers at these events and say, hey, I'm a marketer. I'm kind of new to this world. Can you tell me a little bit about what you guys do? And 
most of the time when you ask somebody a question like that, they're super open and will just start telling you all about themselves and what they do. And that gave me an opportunity to ask some questions, maybe diving a little deeper into a topic that was discussed at the event that I didn't understand or whatever. And after going to several events and then doing research on the side um, and talking to customers, it helps connect all of those different dots together. Um, and then con the connection of those dots and the language that I hear kind of through all of those different, all the different types of research, that's what really informs the, the content and the copy that we're writing. That's awesome. That's great. I mean, I love I love going up to the the trade shows or live events and just saying, "I'm a, I'm a marketer. I'm new here. Tell me what you do." And just allowing, you know, I'm interested to hear what you do, but putting up the, you know, putting down the defense guard like this isn't a sales pitch. I'm just curious to know what you guys do. And people will really open up and talk uh, if you present it the right way. So that's super smart. So one thing I wanted to ask you: you ran your own agency before joining the team over there. Tell me, tell me about running your own agency and, you know, like really like what that taught you about what makes successful content. Yeah, I think that there's two pieces to it. One is I had to understand things from running a business myself and realizing that in the end of the day, businesses don't exist if you don't make money. And so in the end of the day, marketing isn't here. And this is something I'm passionate about. And I was actually just talking to a friend earlier today about it. And he said the same thing. And I was literally yelling, just like out of an agreement. But marketing isn't about awards. To me personally, whatever, you get an award, that's cool. But if, if I have two marketers and one's telling me how cool it is because their company's gotten all of these awards, and I talk to a, another uh, marketer and they say, hey, we've gotten all of these sales, either for our company or for a company that we work with, to me, the second one is a really good marketer. The other one's just really good at marketing and selling their their stuff their own stuff, but not necessarily good at marketing and selling for their customer. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. it's. Sorry, I got lost there for a second. <laughs> no, that's yeah, good. It, it's really helped me on the on that side. Just understanding marketing is about sales in the end of the day, yeah. and that's the goal. And then on the flip side, um, I would get into a project. I started out doing social media content, so creating videos and doing photos for small businesses. And then I started to realize, well, the problem isn't just the content, it's that they don't know what to do with the content. So then I started kind of digging into that a little more and doing some more projects. And then I realized, wow, they don't have any kind of clue around strategy, like what kind of content do I need? Where am I gonna use it? What am I gonna do with this? And they would pay an SEO person or they pay a video person or they pay somebody to do social media. And it's just all of this money that they're spending hoping that something will stick, but there was no underlying strategy behind it. So then it started to turn into helping them create strategies and um, kind of having a more holistic approach to marketing. And then that kind of turned into me doing all kinds of anything that they would need in marketing, I did. So I created websites, I built membership some membership sites and courses and email marketing and email automation. So it really just helped me to kind of be a well-rounded marketer. And I wasn't necessarily the best at any one of those things, but that's really helped broaden my perspective to understanding how all of the different pieces of, of marketing come together and, you know, work together in the end for the customer. Um, and that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. It seemed like you also learned how to diagnose the real problem. So customer client thinks, the problem is I need more social media because that's where I've been told customers are. But that's not really necessarily the the root problem. The problem is there's no there's no strategy behind who they're targeting and why they're targeting that person 
and understanding like why they're creating social content and what's the purpose of it. So under, you know, figuring out what's that underlying issue, I think is, is like an important thing marketers have to learn because when we started out, um, we were very similar. We were a small localized doing local marketing for anyone and everyone who needed it uh, because we needed customers. We were trying to learn how to make money and you know, we would be creating a website. And as soon as we were done, they'd be like, all right, where are all the customers? It's like, well, that, if that's what you're looking for, you know, maybe we asked the wrong questions early on of what your actual goals are, because maybe a new website wasn't what you needed. Um, and, you know, learning those lessons, I think, are important, which led us to, you know, growing our own agency by asking the right questions. And then, you know, we've kind of uh, we've kind of realized what a lot of B2B customers challenges are or what the root cause is and the outcome is what they're looking for. B2B marketers and sales are always like, what, how many leads am I going to get? Uh, and are they going to, is, is your marketing going to close more deals? And a lot goes into that. So that's what they want, but where they need to start could be 15 steps behind by just calling a customer, like a lot, a lot of like what you've gone through. Absolutely. And it takes, I mean, it takes some of the guesswork out when you, I mean, I, I, another philosophy, you know, you were talking earlier about marketing philosophy. So something I've learned from multiple mistakes. So probably the biggest mistake I made when I was running my agency was I had this idea for a course for small businesses to take. And I I recognized that really the underlying issue, and this applies to small businesses, but it also applies to bigger companies also. We just spread ourselves super thin. And when you try to be everybody, everything for everyone, you really end up not having something that's truly valuable. And even if your product would be valuable for everybody, you know, say you have an iPhone or something, and yeah. most people are going to be able to use it. When you make most people the focus, it just dilutes any kind of messaging that you can have. And so the more that you scale it down to giving the right message to the right person at the right time, the more powerful your marketing's going to be. Mm -hmm. So I created this course around um, defining who your ideal audience is and then creating, taking your product and positioning it to solve a very specific problem for that customer. So instead of saying, you know, we do whatever, my dad's a chiropractor and I've worked with him. So it's like, instead of saying I do chiropractic for anybody, it's much more effective to focus on on a niche. Maybe that's, he's in Colorado. So maybe it's um, people who run up and down mountains and, you know, focusing on, on runners who are in their late forties, they want to keep running and they have a problem with their knees. If you're a chiropractor that focuses on runners who have hurt their knees and then you get in with certain groups of people who are active in that community and you can really spread the word that way. Whereas if you're just doing anything for anybody, you know, general chiropractic, it's much harder. Um, so I started this course and I had the skills to build the whole thing out from scratch. So I built this course, I recorded the videos, I created all the worksheets, I built out a membership course, I created automated emails, I like did the works and I'm like, this is going to be killer. And I launched it and it just got zero traction at all. And it ended up being an absolute fail. And it's not necessarily because, I mean, I don't think it's because the content was bad. The stuff is still relevant. It's what we're talking about now. Interview your best customers, figure out who they are, what's important to them and speak to that. But the problem was I tried to go too, too big without testing the idea. And so a big marketing philosophy for me is how can you take whatever it is that you're working on and test it out in the absolute smallest way possible 
and see what kind of results you can get from it on a small scale. And that lets you test it. And then you build out on the success that you find as you're doing it, you know, in small incremental pieces. And that's, we've really applied that quite a bit at my company too, as we're launching new things. And it's, it helps a lot. It helps you not go so far down a rabbit trail and um, not be yeah. able to show any results for it in the long run. That's also a, an important lesson <laughs> is test, test, if the, test everything. I think uh, you know everybody likes to A/B test things, but I think it's it goes far beyond that. It tests ideas, tests tests philosophies before you invest in the time and resources. Even if it's not out, outside vendors, that's just a lot of time and resources without knowing something is viable. And um, yeah, I mean, I would be interested. You should uh, if you still got that course. So how long it is? Courses are huge right now. You could probably uh, still get some traction on it because <laughs> I'm sure that's still valuable to a lot of people. Absolutely. Do you feel like you running your agency has made you a better marketer? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Is that something you want to get back to? Yeah, I definitely think at some point I'd like to get back into that world again. It, it's been nice working somewhere. Just, you know, you have the consistency of it, but also there were some ideas that were a lot harder for me to try working with small businesses that mm -hmm. I had a feeling would be successful, but getting somebody to commit the amount of money it would take to get something off the ground um, was difficult. And even working with small businesses in general is difficult because marketing for the most part is really expensive and to do SEO or to do video production or, you know, to really do any of this stuff, it costs a, a lot of money and a lot of time. And you do see results from that eventually, but to convince somebody, Hey, you're going to spend, X amount of thousand dollars a month, and you might see results from this in six months or a year. That's <laughs> a tough pill to swallow for somebody who's really truly a small business. I think also, you know, doing the agency, I was able to build a portfolio and land a job based on the work that I'd done for customers. And, you know, I had something real to show for it. And I, I mean, I actually, before I started doing marketing, was sweeping chimneys and uh, I, listen to a lot of books while I was driving on marketing and persuasion. And then, you know, through different sets of circumstances, I learned about video and doing photography. So then for me, you know, getting the agency started was really the only way I could have gotten into marketing. And it was just to start creating stuff for, for other people. And then um, doing that not only taught me about marketing and the real world aspect of marketing, but then also helped me to land a much better job than I would have way faster by leveraging the work that I've done for customers. Yeah. So if you go, do you, th what would you do differently if you start your own agency again? So you've obviously, you've started an agency, you learned a lot, you've gone to, you know, you're now at a B2B manufacturing industrial company. And if you ever go back to running your own agency, like what would you, what would you do differently? Yeah, that's a great question. It might take me a second to yeah, no, it's fine. It. I kind of, I know I'm throwing that one on you. That wasn't in the pre-show <laughs> notes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing is definitely just communicating more clearly and being more specific about exactly what it is that I do for people. So yeah. the generalist idea was really helpful for me to gain experience and become a better marketer, but it's not that helpful for sale selling. And uh, I mean, one challenge is you can be great at marketing and terrible at selling or great at selling and terrible at marketing. And agencies sometimes are great at selling marketing services and not good at marketing, you know, and, and vice versa. You could be great at 
the marketing side of it, but getting somebody to buy is, is a totally different challenge. So to me, if you're starting a business, whether it's an agency or, or anything, it's best to create a product that's marketable to begin with. And in the marketing services arena, that can be creating a, a marketing service that you productize and that you create a process around. Um, so yeah, it would take a little bit to un unpack that idea, but I would definitely yeah. you know, pick, pick a niche that I would focus on first and then interview a ton of those people, figure out some pain points and problems. Before I start an agency, I would talk to some of those people um, and get somebody to buy something on a small scale for me to be able to try out the idea that I have. If that's successful, leverage that to land a few more smaller sales like that and perfect the process and the product that I'm gonna offer. And then when I actually would launch it full out, I would have a, a product high service where it's, um, I have pricing that's really clear and straightforward for a, a specific mm -hmm. final product that I would give to somebody. So if it was, it'd probably be focused on the content creation side. So I would have a really specific offering, probably a good, better, best offering where it would be a set deliverable that they're getting out of that. And it would be at a set prices. And I would probably have those prices online by just going through that you know, process ahead of time and kind of working through that. And by doing that, it takes some of the stress out of selling because you're not having to, to your sales process isn't explaining, it's showing, and it makes it a lot easier when people just get what you do from the first sentence, you know, or the first two or three sentences. Anyway, I yeah, I don't know how clear no, that was. <laughs> uh, I, well, I kind of threw that at you because it's something I've, I've thought about as well. If I was to do this over again, I mean, we started about 10 years ago. And if I was to do it over, I think the first five years we probably wasted because we didn't pick a niche. We didn't pick a lane. We said yes to everybody. And we spent a lot of time learning new things, which was great, but we never really grew to the level that we wanted to. And I think it's because of our just lack of business experience, mm -hmm. kind of starting an agency without having any real experience of running a business. Um, but yeah, I think I agree with just about everything you said and picking a lane, picking a set deliverables instead of, I mean, I can't tell you how much time I spent building proposals out of thin air because everything was custom and everything was new and people wanted this and that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. But I'm also guessing of how long it's going to take me to do all those things without really building up, you know, not knowing how to build products and proposals at the time. So I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Well, let me say one more thing on that note. It depends. My advice would be totally different depending on whether you have been in marketing for a long time or you haven't. If you're trying to break into marketing from a different field, you can start an agency. And in that case, I would honestly probably recommend somebody be more of a generalist at first and just try all kinds of things in marketing and do say yes to anything that anybody will let you do. Because for one, you gotta make money. And for two, you've, you have to figure out what you're actually good at and what where there is a need in the market. And what people are willing to pay you for is a, is a great sign of where there's a need. And so if you can pinpoint that need, that helps you to narrow that down. But then if you're an experienced marketer and you've been doing this for a while, you're gonna have a much easier time already knowing what you're good at and because of the work that you've done, you're probably going to be able to pinpoint a need in the market much, much faster. And in that case, I would test that out and and figure that need out really clearly and then kind of dive into it already very focused. 
Yeah. Great, great tips there. A little off track of uh, content marketing, but I think that stuff's interesting for people. I mean, everyone, now is the time. People are, ta- are leaving good jobs to have more freedom, have more work from home freedom and, and maybe a pay cut, but going out on their own. So that's great advice. I'm going to ask you one more question. A little, little lighthearted. Talk to me about chickens. One of the things I saw on your profile, you kind of gave everyone a little Easter egg secret of getting a meeting with you. Why, why, did you, why did you add that little password of chickens in your, in your LinkedIn profile? Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of just, I mean, partially just a joke. I'm trying to have more fun in my work <laughs> and in working. And my, yeah, my wife and I are into eating well and, you know, eating nutrient dense whole foods. So we've been having fun. We live in the city, but we have, we're allowed to have up to 20 chickens in our little township here, which I was kind of surprised by. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, we, we had five, unfortunately we're down to four as of this week, but, um, uh, you know, we have a few chickens, we have a big garden and, you know, that's definitely something that we, we enjoy. So on my LinkedIn profile, I put that on there just to talk about something besides, you know, the, the straight business stuff, kind of make it more interesting. Yeah. But I put the chickens passcode and magic password in there for people who want to book a demo with me because I get cold pitched all the time. And yeah. I can tell that none of these people have read my profile for even half a second. And even if they get my title, they probably just scrape the web. So whether that's a pitch yeah. through email or through LinkedIn, they just didn't take the time. So I know if they say the magic password chickens, they actually read my profile. <laughs> and if they went that far, they're ahead of 99.9% of other salespeople out there and they deserve at least 15 to 30 minutes at, of my at time least a phone call. reading my profile. <laughs> it's I like, like it. I, yeah, I think I'm going to borrow that for sure. Um, I saw that and... I'm always up to listen to people uh, if it's something that I'm interested in or could potentially could use now or down the road. But you know, like you, I get I get all the messages. Yeah, and out of I've had it up there for about two and a half months, I think, and I've had two people, you and one other person, use the chicken's <laughs> password so far. So not very many people are reading the the profiles. And that, I mean, that's another trick. Though. I mean, I I know we're wrapping up here, but that that's another trick both for marketers and people in sales. Just take the time to research people, research potential customers, research your subject matter. And I mean, in B2B, you're probably doing some sort of sales enablement if you're in marketing or working with sales. So help your salespeople understand. Do some really basic research. Take five minutes, look at somebody's profile and read about them and you're light years ahead. I mean, I'm almost guaranteed to respond, at least respond and most likely respond positively if you've read my profile and you you're somewhat knowledgeable about what we do and how you could help me versus just shooting out a cold email. I mean, those pretty much just go to the spam pile or get deleted. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, great advice. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is fun. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, I'll make sure to put a uh, link to your LinkedIn profile as well. So people can connect with you and, and uh, if they read the full profile, here's your tip. If you read the full profile, there's a password in there that'll get you a meeting. And hopefully you don't get too many meetings from this. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great, man. Thanks for listening to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast hosted by me, Alex Mead. The B2B Growth Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Beacons Point. Beacons Point is a growth marketing agency that creates a video-first content approach to attract the right customer and deliver the message at the right time. Find out more at beaconspoint.com. This week's episode is produced by Summer Myers. 
Thanks for listening. See you next time.